beginning this morning and for the next several weeks, I'm going to be doing a special kind of a series with you all that kind of reflects backwards on uh, our trip to Israel. Now, we're still planning on having our group uh, present to you, and hopefully we'll be doing that very quickly so that each of those who are part of that can share some of the pictures and some of the experiences that we had. But in the meantime, each Sunday, I want to take just one snapshot of somewhere we went and something we did so I can share a little bit with you out of God's Word about that particular occurrence. If you remember last Sunday, I talked to you about that critical moment in Joshua's life when he stood with the wilderness behind him and the promised land in front of him and God began to say to him, it's time to take your people and cross this Jordan and claim the promised land. The Jordan River was going to be the dividing point between where they had been and what they had been and who they were about to be. It was going to be about the promise that had been made and the fulfillment that they were going to experience. So the Jordan River divided everything. You know, the Jordan River continues to be a dividing point in the geography of the Holy Land today. If you look up at the north where its source begins, there's the nation of Lebanon. The Jordan will come on down through the Sea of Galilee and down, and it also divides Israel from Syria, Israel from Jordan, and also provides the West Bank, the, the area where the Palestinians live. So in a very real way, as the Jordan makes its way down to the Dead Sea, it really divides nations. And it is everything it's supposed to be. It is the dividing point between God's promised land to his people that was lost for a long time and then reclaimed again back in 1948 and the nations that surround us. The nations of the Holy Land are defined by their orientation to the Jordan River. And one of the highlights of our trip took place at the Jordan River. We didn't go to a spot just to look at the water. We arrived at the Jordan for a very special reason. About half our group had made the decision to be baptized in the Jordan River. It was Dr. Hopkins and my privilege to baptize everyone who wanted to be in that very special place. And then the two of us baptized one another. One of the neat things about the group that we carried is one of the men who made it the trip had been a believer for a long time, but he'd never been immersed. He'd never been through baptism. And he'd been telling me for more than a year, when we get to the Jordan River, you're going to baptize me. And it was a great privilege to get to immerse him in the waters of the Jordan. But then something really special happened. As we completed the task with our group, a group of pilgrims from Monterey, Mexico showed up. And they had gotten there assuming there would be somebody waiting to baptize them, but there wasn't. And so they came to us and said, would you baptize our group as well? And while I couldn't speak their language, Joe could, and he heard each one of them as they confessed their sin and declared their faith in Jesus and followed through the waters of baptism. It was a privilege to assist these brothers and sisters. I think we've got one more photo of this group that uh, was part of our time. Or maybe we don't. <laughs> but it was a neat thing. Here are these brothers and sisters who showed up from another part of the world in the Holy Land with a great desire. And 
while I could not understand the words that were being said, I could understand the fervor with which they were speaking them. As they came excited about the fact that they could be baptized in the Jordan River. Now, I have to tell you the funny thing. The, as we were doing the baptism, we kind of did it with Joe on one side and myself on the other. And we would take these folks but uh, under the water. But as you went down into the Jordan, there were a series of steps that you walked down into underwater. And we kind of got down to where we were about this deep and then we would baptize folks and one of the ladies in this other group was so excited about what she was doing that as we put her under the water she kind of took her foot and shoved back off of one of those steps and I thought I was going to have to chase she and Dr. Hopkins down the river <laughs> because they went out really in a deep spot and I kind of had to grab them and pull them back in it was exciting it was exciting. It made me think about the lyrics of an old song. You know, I, I told you last week that when we were at the Dead Sea, I was a little concerned about how cold the water was going to be, and it really wasn't that cold. Not true of the Jordan River. It was every bit as cold as you thought. It made me think about the lyrics to an old song. If you don't believe I've been redeemed, follow me down to the Jordan stream. I stepped in the water. The water was cold. It chilled my body but not my soul. That's exactly what it was like. We walked down there, and as you went under, when you came back up, whether it was the excitement of having been there or whatever else, the look on your face was, oh, because that was very cold water. What was it that made baptism in the Jordan so significant? After all, we were believers when we went into the water. Almost everybody who experienced that baptism had already been immersed at the time of their salvation. So what made that time so important? Well, it was just the fact that we were in that river where Jesus himself had been baptized. And to be able to do that with one another was very much an opportunity to follow his example to remember what Jesus had done. You see, just as the Jordan River divides nations, the baptism of Christ in that river is a spiritual dividing point. And that's what we read about together just a few moments ago, that spiritual dividing point that took place when Jesus came to John the Baptist and went under the waters of the Jordan River began with a simple statement in Matthew's gospel. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Baptism was the Lord's first act as he began to fulfill his saving purpose. Before the temptation in the wilderness, before choosing his disciples, before stepping aside to pray, before any parables had been taught or any miracles had been accomplished, Jesus came to be baptized, and that baptism was the dividing point for all eternity. And I want us to take a few minutes this morning and think about what was going on as the baptism of Jesus divided the spiritual world once and forever. And the first thing I want you to see is this. Christ's baptism divided his ministry from the ministry of John the Baptist. Up until that moment when Jesus stepped into the waters, John the Baptist had been God's primary messenger to God's people. He had been the one who had fulfilled God's promise to his people to send a messenger of hope, 
Isaiah had described him as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Malachi had described him by saying, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Jesus himself would later describe John the Baptist by saying, assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one risen greater than John the Baptist. From the day that the angel Gabriel had announced his coming birth until that moment in the Jordan, John had been the specially chosen servant of God. And people were drawn to John the Baptist. There was something about his proclamation. There was something about his call to repentance and faith. There was something about the the. Uh, call that he made out in people's lives that said turn away from who you have been and become who God wants you to be that just caused people to respond not only did they respond they came to the Jordan they came to the Jordan by scores by hundreds to be baptized to recommit their lives to doing the best they could to serve the Lord he was a mighty man of God Prior to that moment when Jesus came, if you ask anybody in Israel, who is the most holy person that you can think of, many of them would have responded, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He has words from God that will burn into your soul. John was used to being the messenger, the vessel that God was using. Which makes it amazing that when Jesus came to be baptized, John's immediate response was, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? This holy man, this incredible messenger of God, he was the one who immediately responded to Jesus with spiritual humility. I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. I know who you are. I know what God is doing through you. It's time for me to let you take first place. You see, from the very beginning, John the Baptist understood the whole purpose of his ministry was to get people ready. It wasn't to draw attention to himself. It wasn't to believe that his message was the end-all message that people needed to hear. It was to prepare people for the message that was yet to come. He was preparing the way for Jesus. That's why he pointed the first apostles to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Later he would describe Christ as the bridegroom and himself as the friend of the bridegroom. John the Baptist would declare, he must increase and I must decrease. The most incredible thing of all is this, knowing that this was true, knowing that as Jesus came, it was his time to step aside, knowing that his time in the spotlight had ended and realizing that everything he had done had pointed the way toward what Jesus was going to do. This is what John the Baptist said to people. He said, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. 
Instead of regret, instead of resentment, instead of saying, I'm not ready to step out of the spotlight, John said, this is it. This is the fulfillment of everything I've done. This is the reason I came. God is doing amazing things, and I get to be a witness. He understood God's plan had been fulfilled, and he joyfully stepped out of the way, out aside, and gave the Savior first place. I think about that, and I can't help but think John the Baptist won the struggle that most of us deal with every day. The struggle of stepping aside and giving first place to Jesus. You and I struggle with that decision not once, but many times. Probably every day of your life, you struggle with that idea. Where is Christ going to belong in my life? Too many times we are prone to struggle to hang on to first place. Rather than joyfully stepping aside and putting the spotlight on the Savior, we say to ourselves, you know, I've kind of enjoyed my time in the spotlight. I kind of like the idea that I'm the one that's at the center of attention. I really think it ought to be more about me. It's not that we don't want Jesus. We want him in our lives. We just don't want him to have first place in our lives. Here's the problem. In everybody's soul, in everybody's soul, there is a single throne. And we have to decide who gets to sit on the throne. Am I going to put Christ on the throne of my life? Or am I going to try to keep myself in that place? Now, we make that decision once for eternity in the moment of salvation. When you make the decision in your own life, I'm going to trust him to be my Savior and my Lord. When I confess my sins and ask him to come into my life and change me, that's a once and for all decision. And Christ becomes the Savior and the King of your life. But in a very practical sense, you make that decision over and over and over. Every time you face that decision point where you're thinking, will I do this my way or his way? Am I going to trust him or am I going to trust myself? Am I going to do what I want to do or am I going to do what he commands me to do? Every time we face that decision, we're really making that decision, okay, who gets the throne? Will it be Christ or will it be myself? And we have to learn to be like John because we know it can't be both. It's only those who are willing to surrender to him who will really understand what it means to be used by God. You see, Jesus divides the difference between promise and fulfillment. John came as a promise of what God was going to do. Jesus came to be the fulfillment of what God had done to save lost people. And because of what Jesus has done, we live confidently through our faith in Christ. It was Jesus' baptism at the Jordan that made that dividing point. No longer is it about John's ministry. Now it's about Jesus. 
That's why the baptism of Jesus divides, divides the line between repentance and rebirth. It was John who declared it. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist went to the Jordan to baptize people who wanted to wash away their regret over their sins. People came knowing, I have fallen short of God's laws. I have broken God's commandments. I realize my life is not right with God, and I feel terrible about it. And John would baptize them, and he would tell them, now you need to go, and this is how you live from this point forward. But he also knew this. He knew that John had done everything he could for them, but he knew it was not enough. People didn't need repentance alone. What they did on the outside could only take them so far. What they needed was rebirth. What they needed was a personal, spiritual, heart-deep, eternal transformation. They needed to be born again. And only the Holy Spirit can transform someone from the inside out. And so, John said, listen, when the Savior comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, he's going to give you the possibility, the potential, the power to be born again. And I can never do that for you. John realized that only Jesus can give the gift of eternal life. It's never enough to just be baptized. You need to be reborn. And that's why God made it clear there is a division between Jesus and anybody else. Jesus commanded John to carry on with the baptism and John carried him under the waters. And as he came out of the waters of baptism, the Bible says something incredible happened. A voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This, this one, this one and only Son, this Jesus. The testimony of God himself is, Here's the Savior. You want to repent? You want to be reborn? You want to have eternal life? This is the only place to turn. This is the only one to trust. There in the Jordan River, the Father blessed him and made it plain. There is nobody else like Jesus. He is God's one and only son. And it divides everything. You see, the testimony at the Jordan was Jesus is the one, and there's nobody else. Jesus is the one. You can run in every direction you want to run. You can try out every religion you want to try. You can change your life as many ways as you think you can change yourself. 
It's not going to work. Because Jesus is the one. He was that day at the Jordan. He is today. He's our one and only hope for everlasting life. And if you place your confidence in anyone or anything else, it's going to fall short. It's just not going to be enough. It's only through Jesus you can be born again. God made it plain on that day. He makes it plain in our world today. Jesus divides the world. Not between the good people and the bad people. Not between the worthy and the unworthy. Not between the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus divides the world between those who trust him and those who trust anything else. And no matter who you are and no matter where you're from and no matter what you've been like, when you encounter Jesus at the Jordan River and when you hear the testimony of the Father, you recognize you've got a decision you have to make. Am I going to believe what God has told me or am I going to believe anything else or anyone else? Because God has declared only Jesus is my begotten Son. And only Jesus is your hope. You know, as Baptists, we define ourselves by that very word, don't we? Baptism. Baptism. Somebody trusts in Christ through the ministry of this church. We're going to baptize them in the waters of that pool. But that water it's just water. Those of us who were baptized in the Jordan River, not one of us can claim, you know what? I went down into the water Jesus went into. It was exactly that water. It's the same water. You know why? Because that river flows. And you know what the Jordan water is full of? A Jordan River is full of? Water. Just water. There's not a lot of difference between the Jordan River and if you want to go across the street on the other side of Lakeshore Drive to be baptized right over there. It's still just water. The baptism that really matters is the spiritual baptism of someone who comes to Jesus Christ, the one who came to John the Baptist on the Jordan and says, I trust you only you so really the only question you face this morning is to say has that moment come in my life has that moment come when I said to Jesus Christ I trust only you not you and other things not you and just myself I trust you so have you done that in your life? Has that moment come and you can remember it when you said to Jesus Christ, I trust you. Because you know what? It was a great privilege 
for me to come to the Jordan River and to undergo baptism as an adult. But the honest truth is, the moment that matters the most happened to me when I was eight years old because that was the day when I made the decision, Jesus Christ, I trust you for my eternal life. And you can be 8 years old or 18 years old or 28 years old or 68 years old. It doesn't really matter. What matters is have you experienced that moment in your life? And if you haven't, then today that is the most important thing you can do. It is simply to say to Jesus the Christ who came to the Jordan and began a ministry that would save the world. Jesus, today I trust you. If you've never trusted him in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to stand and we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And that's an invitation for you to come down this aisle, the same aisle that so many others have before you, and to simply say to myself or to Dr. Hutchins, you know, today I just want to trust Jesus. I want to give my life to him and trust him as Savior. Or maybe God is calling you today and you're thinking, this is the day when I need to become a part of this church family. We celebrated last week with some who did exactly that. But maybe today's your turn. And you need to bring your membership and become part of what God is doing at First Baptist. Or maybe there's something else you need to do. Maybe you need somebody to pray for you in a special way and you just want to come and say, pray with me. Here's what's going on in my life. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. If God's Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. God's house. Let me remind you yet again, the children's families will be gathering downstairs in the fellowship hall for a special time of lunch and prayer, and you'll want to stay for that. That's going to be a, a very special time, and, and we look forward to seeing you tonight. Tonight is going to be fun. We've had a lot of special things going on, but tonight we're going to be back in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. Well, you may say to yourself, well, I don't remember what the last couple of times were all about. 
That's okay because every week the message is complete unto itself, but I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a great time in God's house. We look forward to seeing you then. Let's bow together now for a final prayer and then one last song as we conclude our service. Father, we do thank you that you are the one who divides the world. And that, Father, that division is not based on our worthiness. It's based on your love and your compassion and your willingness to save. So thank you, Father, that we are found in Christ Jesus. And, Father, thank you that we have crossed the, the, the Jordan River into the land of faith. Bless us now as we go. Help us to represent you wherever we are. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.